Hello, Wenatchee. You're listening to CORE Community Radio, and this is the fourth episode of Classic Jazz Travels. My name is Doug Anderson, and I'll be bringing you music from jazz's rich timeline, from the 1920s to the recent recordings made by today's Northwest jazz musicians. If you're new to jazz, I hope to give you some insight into what I hear and how I learned to listen to this really special and uniquely American music. This week, we're headed into guitar country. If you listen to the earliest jazz recordings, a stringed instrument, be it banjo or guitar, complemented and sometimes held the solo responsibility for driving the harmonic structure of the song behind the soloists. Jazz guitar has many styles, from the circular strumming and chords chomping along in the early days to the vertical lines that to me are inspired by wind players. Today you can hear very articulate lines and also rich chords and textures often created by both amplification and by new approaches to playing. Players have the rich history for ammunition, but the beauty to me is every player creates his or her personality with a dash of this and that history. Some players fall right in line with that history, some steer away and create new avenues with their sound and technique. The guitar has always fascinated me, from blues greats Robert Johnson and Elmore James, to Charlie Christian, Joe Pass, Freddie Green, and Mike Stern. This week, I'm going to skip a few decades up the timeline from Charlie Christian to the 1950s and a visit with Tal Farlow. I decided to begin with Tal because I was fortunate enough to perform with him in the 80s. I was at Edmonds Community College. The band director there at the time was a really talented guitarist named Al Galante. Al had brought Tal to the college for a jazz clinic and a concert. But the highlight was when I performed a small lunchtime gig with Tal, Al, and a bassist. It was amazing to see his huge hands flowing across the frets with such dexterity. This next recording was not in a recording studio, but recorded right in a New York City apartment. Oh, the days when you could have a session in a New York City apartment. I remember playing only once or twice in an apartment during the 22 years I lived there but I'm sure that there are late night sessions going on in all five boroughs. If you're into the guitar, you need to hunt down some Tal Farlow records. This one is from a 2002 Definitive Records re-release, and the album is titled The Complete 1956 Private Recordings. Here's Tal with Have You Met Miss Jones. Thank you. 
That was Tal Farlow with Have You Met Miss Jones from the 2002 Definitive Records re-release of the complete 1956 private recordings. Tal was accompanied by Eddie Costa on piano and Vinnie Burke on bass. Such great lines and tones. To me, and as usual, I'll say I'm a drummer and a listener without advanced music theory training, but this session has the swing from the early days, but also Tal's playing reflects the more modern lines from the bop day. Let's turn the calendar to the month of March and to the year 1958. That month, guitarist Kenny Burrell headed into Rudy Van Gelder's Inglewood Cliffs, New Jersey studio to record. He was joined by John Coltrane, Tommy Flanagan, Paul Chambers, and Jimmy Cobb. The album was released on the new jazz label in May of 1963. See if you can remember Tal's style of playing. Contrast his tone and solo lines with Kenny's. I celebrate both men's styles and find it quite interesting the differences, knowing that the recordings were made only a few years apart. Here's Kenny with Loresto on Classic Jazz Travels.
You're listening to Classic Jazz Travels on Core Community Radio. That was Kenny Burrell with Loresto from his 1963 album, The Kenny Burrell Quintet with John Coltrane. Kenny was joined by John Coltrane on tenor, Tommy Flanagan on the piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on the drums. What a great ensemble. I actually read a critic's response on the internet saying something about trains not pulling it off as well as he could have, which is astounding to me. Again, the neat thing is hearing these folks in different environments and with different players. Oh, the critics. So let's keep going with the six-string gang. Some say he's a direct extension of the great Charlie Christian. To me, his tone, lines, and chord playing are even more influential than those of Charlie. Today's guitarist may not play chorus after chorus strumming the changes like him, but if you do hear it, it's probably from Wes. I'm speaking of Wes Montgomery. This next song has become a standard in any jazz guitarist book. Here's four on six. Thank you. 
That was Wes Montgomery with Four on Six from his 1960 album, The Incredible Guitar. Interesting story to me is that this recording was made and released in 1960. The previous song we heard from Kenny Burrell was made in 1958, but not released until 1963. I wonder what politics or problems made that new jazz recording of Kenny Burrell's get put on the shelf for so long. Did you notice Wes's chord playing during the solo? Have you heard a guitarist take a turn around the song structure or take a chorus soloing using just chords? To me, Wes is the man that brought that from the swing era into the 50s and 60s. If you know guitarists, then you'll know that George Benson has also made that one of his trademarks. Let's move up the timeline now to another of the greats. I'm speaking of Pat Martino. This next recording will blow your socks off. Though it was recorded at Rudy Van Gelder's place, you'll be able to feel the funk or rock influence that bled into jazz from the mid-60s and the 70s. As I've asked in previous episodes, try to isolate the main instrument and listen. Listen during Pat's solo and see if you're able to hear how he uses repetition to add tension in the solo sections, building to a point where you have to have resolution. This is from Pat's 1970 Prestige Records release, Here's Blackjack.
You're listening to Classic Jazz Travels on Core Community Radio. I'm your host, Doug Anderson. That was Pat Martino with Blackjack from his 1970 Prestige Records release, Desperado. So did you enjoy that? It may have turned you off if you were expecting to hear the bounce of the ride cymbal and the the four-on-the-floor walking bass, right? The 60s and 70s was a time when rock and funk leaked into the jazz realm. I think it was quite natural, but to some purists it may have been a complete turnoff. But Pat's playing should outweigh any prejudice towards rock and roll, and he still swings like crazy, even over the straight beats. Ten years after this, in 1980, Pat had a brain aneurysm. Thankfully, he lived but woke up and forgot how to play. Can you imagine that? You know what happened? He dug in and learned again. And in 2004, he was awarded Jazz Guitarist of the Year. Dig into the internet and see what you can find. He's still out there gigging and doing clinics, and his work should be on any jazz collector's shelf. Let's move toward another contemporary and lively member of the Jazz Guitarist timeline, John Schofield. John got his start at age 11, and like me, put his time in at Berklee College of Music. He played with Jerry Mulligan back in the day, but brought his chops to Billy Cobham's fusion band, and in the 80s he toured and recorded for several years with Miles Davis. John's recorded more than 30 albums as a leader, and continues to compose and perform today. While living in New York City, I was lucky to get to several of his gigs, once at Sweet Basil on 7th Avenue South, and another up the street a few blocks at the Village Vanguard, and yet another just south of the Vanguard at the Blue Note. Each time he seemed to introduce another band and another move in his progression. His tone and lines always enchant me, and his band never fails to push him to new places. I first heard this next album while at Western Washington University. My friend was lining up songs for his senior recital. Here's something from John's 1980 release, Who's Who. This is How the West Was Won.
That was John Schofield with How the West Was Won from his 1980 release, Who's Who. Mike was joined by Kenny Kirkland on piano, Eddie Gomez on bass, Billy Hart on drums, and David Liebman on saxophone. I love how John and Dave do the head or melody of the song in unison before the piano solo. Listen to the interplay, which to me nods to the earlier Bill Evans trio, who I think influenced this type of improvisation, where people didn't have to stay the course or hold down the song structure during solos, but could react and respond to each other with full freedom, and then come back to the song for the out chorus. I'll continue to point this out with a lot of the newer artists. John's definitely another artist to have on your list. I think this next guitarist is probably my favorite jazz guitarist of all time. I grew up in New York City watching him at the 55 bar in the village. Eight dollars got me in, and I could sit at the bar and sip while Mike was six feet away, blowing all our minds with dynamics and beautiful imagination. When listening to Mike, you'll hear his influences from earlier players on the timeline, but also his influences from all music, be it jazz, rock, blues, or Afro-Cuban. He's also a really nice cat. I remember going to a rehearsal on 30th Street, and as the elevator opened, Mike got out. He smiled and recognized me from his 55-bar gigs, knowing that I was a regular. He asked what was up, and I told him I was off to a rehearsal. He was excited to know I, too, was a musician. Here's Mike and band with Good Question on Classic Jazz Travels.
Mike Stern with Good Question from his 2006 album, Who Let the Cats Out. Always amazing to hear Mike. His solos always end up having a great arc, from soft to crazy, then back to soft. His lines combine the urgency and complexity of Coltrane or Michael Brecker, but also the rock of Jimi Hendrix or the chordal work of Wes Montgomery. Mike was joined by the quite able and articulate drummer Kim Thompson. Bob Franceschini on tenor for the in and out song choruses and it's quite a feature for bassist Richard Bona. I remember hearing Jocko solo and sing at the same time. It's amazing when it's perfect, isn't it? Well, to finish up this special tour of jazz guitarist timeline, let's move to a lesser-known guitarist, but someone who you'll not easily forget, Ahmad Mansour. I discovered him via my good friend Ian Froman, who I met while attending Berkeley in Boston. Ahmad's distinct sound is more influenced by modern jazz guitarists like John Abercrombie and Pat Metheny. Sadly, Ahmad passed away a few years ago. Thankfully, we have these recordings. Here's Ahmad Mansour from his 1993 album, Penumbra, with Bygones. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good week. And go buy some jazz music.